Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, yeah, Kevin's gone uh, this weekend. He's getting a nice uh, getaway with his family in Texas. Uh, Kevin, if you're watching, you probably aren't, but bring me back a cheeseburger from Whataburger and make sure it has green chilies on it. I don't care how old it is. It's got preservatives in it. It'll be all right. <laughs> so anyways, this has kind of been a, a theme of ours uh, the past few weeks in our leadership meetings. Um, we've just really been talking about a lot of gifts and what it means to use our gifts and things like that. And last week we started in on, on kind of a mini, mini series that I guess, I guess I'm going to do. They've trusted me with it, um, so do it with me. Uh, this is the first series I've ever done. But I got to thinking about you know, what does it mean to use a spiritual gift and, and really live a life of purpose. And thinking about all that, I had a kind of story or something could I relate to at all. Um, and I, I didn't really relate to a story, but I related to a bunch of things in my ranch pickup. Um, things that I use on a day-to-day basis that... Uh, if anybody rides with me, you'll know it's very, very crowded in there. Um, and, and also, my steering doesn't work. But anyways, um, <laughs> the first thing I got is I got a bunch of bridles and reins. I always carry extra set of reins just because my horses like to pull back. So that way I can just go through more money. They can just break more bridle reins. So I got lots of reins. And bridles, just in case I got some meaner than others, just in case something I don't get along with something. Um, the next thing I got is my leggings. I only use these for birthdays. <laughs> for those not familiar, Sarah's getting the shopping today. Anyways, so those are the next things I, I always have on me. It uh, doesn't matter where I'm going. If I'm in town, you never know. I might need a set of leggings to look the part. Have my costume on. Um, just kidding. That was a joke. Anyways, I got an extra set of gloves just in case I got to build fence. It doesn't happen very often because I try to push it on everybody else. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the first time I helped Ty build fence, I was like, so what does this do? <laughs> It just gives, yeah, it just pushes me out of the way. It's, it's really strategy. The next thing I got, y'all are going to love. I, I always carry my handy-dandy hot shot. This isn't for cattle working. This is just in case somebody lips off. For, yeah, fence builders, that's right. <laughs> State workers, I mean. I mean. Oh, I didn't say that. Next thing I got is for working cattle. This is my flag. I'm going to handy-dandy flag, and I can get all crazy with it. See the hair flying off? That's battle scars. <laughs> Next thing I got, I didn't bring my gun in because I didn't want you guys to get my pickup and steal it. Just kidding. But I have a bunch of bullets because I'm a really bad shot and I got to reload a lot. Uh, and then the next thing I got is a bunch of ropes. Uh, I got a couple good ropes. Just in case I lose my rope, uh, it doesn't happen very often, but it will happen sometimes. I got another rope just in case I got to go all the way back to the pickup to get another good rope to get my rope off the cow I just roped. And so yeah, that has happened before, believe it or not. And then I have a bad rope just in case we got to drag something in the trailer. And then I have my, my ball cap 
That's just in case I run into a team roping and got to fit in. Or in case the wind is blowing 7,000 miles an hour. Both happen pretty regularly here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Next thing I got is a, is a, a jacket that uh, doesn't quite repel rain, but it kind of soaks it in and makes it a little bit wetter. But uh, I need to get a slicker, but I'm just tight. Anyways, that's beside the point. Next thing I got, let me see, I got a whole bag of stuff in here. Ooh, the last thing. You guys are going to love this. This is the best one. You ready for it? This is my off-road commode. <laughs> All right. It just sticks in the receiver hitch of a pickup. All right. I'm also sponsored by these guys. Go look them up. Now, you can't have an off-road commode without teepee, all right? I don't have to explain what teepee is used for, all right? And the last thing I have is an extra pair of socks, just in case you run out of teepee or your feet get wet. <laughs> oh, you guys are probably all wondering what in the world is going on, huh? <laughs> Some of you guys have seen me in action, so you're not questioning anything. So, anyways, I got to thinking about all this stuff in my pickup. This isn't even all of it. I didn't have enough time. We don't have three days to go through everything that I have in my pickup, and quite frankly, you don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> but everything in there has a purpose. I always, if I need something, I got it in my pickup. Or if somebody else needs something, I got it in my pickup. And, and I got to thinking, shoot, if I was going to rope a cow, and I was in Kiowa, and I live in Rama. I don't left all my ropes at home, and all I have is an off-road commode. I'm not going to rope anything. I'd probably just throw it at him and take that cow off enough he'll just hit me. But if I leave my ropes at home, it kind of defeats the purpose of a rope, right? And if I leave my hotshot at home, it kind of defeats the purpose of hotshotting other things, plural. And that's what I was kind of thinking about. I got to been kind of just on a really big study of Ecclesiastes and just uh, um, thinking of all this purpose stuff really kind of brought me to the life of Solomon. And I got to doing some studying on Solomon and really just, um, you know, I, I heard all the stats and everything and just was kind of wondering. I was like, man, that guy must have had a pretty good life hearing everything that he had. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I was just really thinking, I was like, man, what, what really was Solomon's purpose? You know, I hear a lot of cool stuff about him, but really what was his purpose? And that's when it kind of brought me to Ecclesiastes. And, and if, you don't have, if you have your Bibles, just open with me to Ecclesiastes. I mean, it's not going to be a specific verse. It's just kind of an overview. But thinking about Ecclesiastes, um, I'll just kind of go through, the, through the, the titles. of, And it's not a very big book, so it's not a very long thing that I'm going to list off. But I got to thinking about reading through the titles and just reading through Ecclesiastes. And I got to doing some word studies and things like that. And so... Um, the first kind of pa couple passages you come up to in Ecclesiastes, he talks about the futilities of life. And futilities, I didn't quite really get a good grasp of what that word meant. And so if, you, if you're smart, you probably know what it means, but I'm not. So I had to look it up. Anyways, Webster's defines futility as pointless or useless. That's it. That's the whole definition. Pointless or useless. And so in the first, very first passage, it starts off, number one, it says futility of pleasures. And he talks about the pointlessness of pleasures in life. Now they're pointless. Futility of pleasures. Number two, the futility of work. Basically, in this one, he says that those who die with the most stuff still die. They have the same grave as everybody else. 
Third thing, he talks about at the how there's a time for everything. Fourth thing, fourth, fourth thing he talks about is the injustices of life. It's kind of a harsh reality in that, in that section. He talks about sometimes others get the gold mine and we get the shaft. Number five, he talks about the advantages of companionship and how they're even worthless, he talks about. And, and I don't mean worthless all in a bad way, so just hang with me. I'm going to make a point here. Number six, he talks about the pointlessness, pointlessness in political power. And next, the pointlessness of wealth. Even wealth, he talks about, is pointless. Eight, he talks about the future, how it's decided by God but unknown to us, and that there is no use in arguing with God because he already knows the future. For reference, that's verse 10, chapter 6. The ninth thing, the ninth thing he talks about is wisdom of life and also the limits of human wisdom. And remember, he's the wisest man to ever live, the Bible calls him. Number 11, he talks about the uncertainties of life. And that's, the, that's one of the last things he talks about, is the uncertainties of life. And some of y'all are still probably asking why I'm bringing Solomon up. You're probably still wondering what my point is. And that's the thing is, when reading through Ecclesiastes and doing some studying on him, I found that Solomon was finding his purpose through everything that he did. He was really, all of his life, he was looking for some sort of purpose. So, I did some statistic research on Solomon, and these are unproven facts, but these are a lot of what um, people tend to believe about Solomon, just some statistics to his life. So here's some statistics. Solomon reigned over the mightiest kingdom in the world for 40 years, and he had everything a guy could ever want. He was also the son of King David, mighty King David. Solomon really looked for his purpose in wealth. That was one of the things he looked for purpose in. His personal palace took 13 years to build, so his house took 13 years to build. For reference, the temple that he had built during that time, he only, he only spent seven years on. He almost spent double the time building his own house than he did God's house. He had an annual income of over $1 billion a year. That's a lot of money. $1 billion. The most prosperous person to ever walk this planet, he had all the money a guy could want, or ever even have. Yet in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11, he ends it with saying that chasing all the work and wealth was meaningless. Even chasing work and wealth was meaningless. The Bible calls him the wisest man to ever live. People would travel in from far away and pay him to ask questions because of his wisdom. This led to fame. This led to Solomon chasing fame as his purpose. This was him trying to fill that hole in his heart with fame. He was more powerful than any U.S. president that's ever sat. He was more powerful than any, any world leader that's ever been. He looked for purpose and pleasure. This is a tough one. The man had over 1,000 wives and concubines combined. Think about that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's a bad thing to think about. And I'm not going to explain what concubines are. If you want to do a word search, you look that up. I'm not getting in trouble today. <laughs> Allegedly. Yet. <laughs> he looked for purpose and success. He had over 30,000 people that lived in his home. 30,000 people lived in the same home as him. If you go and look up a picture on Google of his, of his house and his palace, it's giant. That's, that's what they believe it looked like. If you go and look it up, it's crazy. He had major, major parties at his house. You guys like wine? Who in here likes wine? Raise your hand. There's a couple of you. A couple of you are lying. And I see some other people elbowing each other. 
All right, Roger's elbowing Janet. I don't know what's going on there, but Stephen better break him up. Security. He had his own vineyards. He had two giant pools that he would water his vineyards with for all of his parties, for the finest wine. He had around 15,000 dinner guests a night. Consider 30,000 people in his home. That actually seems low, 15,000 a night. A lot of his parties were estimated that he would have killed over a thousand head of oxen and sheep combined in most of the parties that he had. That's how many animals he killed to feed everybody. And that's where he was finding all of his purpose was through all of this. This is the wisest man to ever live, yet in Ecclesiastes he calls wisdom foolishness compared to God. And so why all these statistics? At the end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon had really come to a conclusion at the end of his life. He counted everything he had as worthless. All he had, the riches, the fame, all the wisdom, all the pleasures. And this is what he said in Ecclesiastes 12.13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including everything in secret, good or bad. Fear God and obey his commands. That's what he says. After everything in life that he had been through and accumulated, that's what he says was that's the most important thing is to fear God and obey his commands. And that's what we're talking about when for spiritual gifts. I know a lot of you all know what spiritual gifts are and some of you all don't, but we got to talking a couple weeks ago about what it means to live a life of purpose. And to me, living a life of purpose is doing what God has designed you to do. And every one of us has a unique gift. We may have the same spiritual gift as somebody else, but it's still unique to us. And I think Satan gets us to where we don't want to use these gifts because he switches price tags around in our lives. And what I mean by that is he makes the important not important and the not important the important. Um, you know, some of the things I could, I could list off here is, um, shoot, I, I, I tried to not go back to biblical times. I want to do some present times, you know, just some examples of how Maybe it's affected me, too, not just everybody else. But, you know, I, I, can, I can think of times where I've been, you know, spending a day with my family and I haven't even been on my phone or anything like that. Just a great day at work. Um, I'm, I just am around so many great people, and then I get home, I'm by myself, and then the first thing I do is I click on social media. This isn't a knack on social media. This is just an example. But then I get to see in everything that everybody else has in their perfect little lives, and I get to thinking how less than I am. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know maybe I'm talking to just a select few with the social media things, but it's more than social media. I mean, I, I've heard my, my, my mom and dad talking uh, about grandkids, you know, and wanting grandkids and things like that, you know, pushing pressure in their kids and the grandkids because everybody else has grandkids. You think it's just social media? It's not. It's everything in life. We're always searching for validation or prosperous or money. I know, um, you know, Lots of years ago, that was the mark of, of a successful person was how successful their business was. It didn't matter how many lives they reached or anything like that. That was the mark of a person. And that's the things that people chased, was things of, of that nature. Success, just like Solomon. I don't know how many times uh, people find, you know, they're, they're looking for, for everything else but what God has called them to do, even though they say they want to do what God has called them to do. And they'll say, I'll do everything except for that. Hence why I'm up here speaking. (laughs) It's as simple as knowing that there's a Bible study to go to, or maybe even church, but the game is on. Found myself doing that. I'm not talking to anybody else but myself here. I didn't want to go to Bible studies because I didn't think that they were 
my type of studies or they weren't in-depth enough, so I just didn't go to them. I had a guy tell me one time, well, if they aren't in-depth enough, you teach it. You go make that Bible study better. Your spiritual gift is teaching. Why aren't you out there teaching? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Because I don't want to. If your spiritual gift is serving and you know somebody that needs help, why aren't you serving? It doesn't have to be in the church. If you just see somebody on the side of the road, if you're a mechanic and see somebody on the side of the road, I know Coy has done this. Coy's been an outstanding servant. Just to see that kid has grown up is just incredible. So much further at that age than I was. But <laughs> he'll see somebody on the side of the road needing mechanic help and he'll stop and help them out because that's his serving. He likes to serve that way. That's his gift. He's gifted at mechanics, but he's also gifting at wanting to serve people. Teaching. Teaching's another one. If you, know, if you have knowledge of something and you aren't teaching somebody else, these are all spiritual gifts. Just for examples, if you're good at teaching something and you want to have like a horsemanship clinic or something like that, horsemanship isn't something that you can completely center ministry around, but it's something you can preach God through if you have a gift of it. If your spiritual gift is teaching, also you can be an encourager. If you're a good encourager and you see somebody that's having a rough day and you can see that, trust me, encouragers know when somebody has a rough day. Kathy's that way. She can spot a sick person from a mile away. And she'll go up to that person and say, hey, how are you doing? And then the water, just the, the floodgates open. And she goes and encourages them. But it's just as simple as that. Giving. Some of y'all are more blessed than others. And God's calling you to give <laughs> in that aspect. I'm not going to get too much into that. But that's exactly what Solomon was talking about here. And this is the thing that, that I really want to keep bringing up is this life of Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes. And this is basically what Solomon has come to his conclusion. He says, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm better looking. I'm more wiser. I have more money. I have more things. I have more pleasures. You name it, I got it. And I'm telling you, if you are not glorifying God with him, it does not matter. It's all meaningless. It's all worthless. It, I don't know how many times in Ecclesiastes he says the word worthless, talking about all those things. They are worthless unless you are knowing God and making God known through them. And I know a lot of y'all, I'm preaching through the choir. I'm preaching through the choir because some of y'all serve so much. It's just incredible. I've never been a part of a church where people love to serve as much as you do. So maybe this one isn't for you. I don't know. Maybe the next one is. But that's the point I'm getting at here. Because we all have our unique spiritual gifts. And that's what God is talking about. If you know somebody in need, go help them. Because you'll find them. That's how you know your spiritual gift is. is if you can see it. Like if you see somebody with, in, a, in a need... And you know you already know you're gifted at that, and you say, hmm, there's a little thought, and you say, hmm, I could probably help them, but I'm not going to. Just trust God with it. That's what he's really calling you to do, and that's what really living a life of purpose is about. That's, our, that's his goal for our life, to know him and make him known. There was another guy that was like that. Um, his name was Paul. I found this in Philippians 3. 7 through 8. Paul is really talking, he's talking about his own circumcision. So he's talking about works-based religion, basically. And he's talking about how works mean nothing without knowing God and making him known. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as crap so that I could gain Christ. And I know I'm going to get some hate mail for saying the word crap and changing the word of God, but I'm not changing the word of God. If you do a Greek study on the word garbage that it, that it goes back to, it's, your, it's actual human feces. That's what he compares all that to. I'm not saying that for shock value. I'm saying that for reality. 
later on in Philippians 4, he, says, <laughs> he tells everybody he knows what it's like to, to live with everything and live with nothing, but it's all worthless unless he glorifies God with it. Don't miss out on God's purpose for your life just because you don't want to know what your spiritual gift is. And some of y'all may not even have heard what spiritual gifts are. This is going to lead into the, never mind, I'm not even going to say that. you got to find out. Anyways, this is God's purpose for your life, to know him and make him known through your spiritual gifts. If you want to know more about spiritual gifts, I'm not going to get into them all today. This was such a hard sermon to write because there's so many rabbit trails I could go down. But if you want to know more about spiritual gifts, it's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 through 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how the body is supposed to work together with their spiritual gifts. So if you're thinking, Mitch is crazy up here talking foolish and this doesn't apply to me, go read 1 Corinthians 13 because that's exactly what it's talking about. is using your gifts for the body of Christ. And if you know somebody that's different than you and you don't agree with them, they probably have a spiritual, dif- spiritual gift than you, a different one. Love on them anyways. This has been something that's been on my heart lately. It's been something that's been brought to my attention. I don't know how many times. Um, this is just something that, you know, when we talk about a life filled with purpose, that's the only thing that God is asking us to do is to know him and make him known and to love other people by using our gifts. Using our gifts is the, one of the biggest ways that we can make him known to other people. Show me a redeeming faith and I might be willing to believe in your redeemer. That's how we show that we're different, guys. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, please go study those passages. If you do know what your spiritual gift is, listen to me now. So, at the end of Ecclesiastes, just before I get into that, Solomon is talking about remember God before you get out of your youth. And to me, I think everybody's still in their youth, no matter what age you are because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. You, you, you have the uh, ability to rewrite your life at 80 years old if you're that old. You have the ability to start over fresh and have a clean slate. God doesn't come, <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, come to me whenever you're perfect. He says, come to me, all you are heavy, weary, heavy burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. You know, did you know that's actually a prayer in Matthew for us? That's a prayer. Come to me, all who are heavy burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me and learn my wisdom is also what he says. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we do what God is asking, that burden is light. I know this in my own life. When I'm not doing what God is asking me to do, I'm usually having a rough go. But just know that. You're probably asking if you have all the tools and you have everything you need already in your ranch rig right there. All the tools that you need. TP and everything. So, next point. Now that you know what your spiritual gift is, I had a horse one time, and he uh, hated him. I couldn't stand him. I, I'm going to get in trouble by horse people here, and I can't keep it in, but I tried, to, I tried every which way to kill that horse. I could not stand him. And uh, uh, one day we're out uh, in Kansas, whenever it's in the summer, it can be 110 degrees with 100% humidity. It's hot. And I had a bunch of bread heifers turned out, and me and my dad were doctoring them on this new pasture that we had not knowing much about this new pasture. And these, these heifers are weighing about 1,200 pounds. And by about four of those heifers, your horses are soaked, and they've had enough. But we had one more to doctor, and so we doctored this, we get, we doctored this heifer. My dad had roped three of them already, because he's handier than I am, so he says it's my turn. i got to rope the last one. And I'm on this gray horse, and I get building up there, and 
pretty soon. I'm, I'm in this pasture, and keep in mind, this pasture hasn't been grazed in like five years, and so the weeds are this tall, right? And so we're going through this pasture at 9-0, doctoring these heifers, and I line this heifer out, fixing the roper, stand up, and this horse catches another gear and just runs right on by. He hates me too. <laughs> but wait, it gets better. <laughs> There's more. As this, as this horse is running by this heifer, I get mad, imagine that, and uh, I go to kind of asking this horse in a, a way that I probably shouldn't say on here, but uh, uh, I ask him to go faster. I'm like, well, I guess I can ride as fast as you can run. So I ask him for more, because I know as soon as I, I, I mean, we're just gonna make a big circle right back around to this heifer and roper anyway, so I'm just gonna get you even more tired before we get all the way back to this heifer, so you might as, you can run off all you want. Anyways, I asked this horse for a lot more, and he could just continues to run off, and pretty soon, you know, I can't see the ground. That's how tall these weeds are. Pretty soon I start feeling this horse go like this. There's an old prairie dog town under all these weeds, and I can't see the holes. <laughs> and I'm asking this horse to go faster. <laughs> Pretty soon, we're coming up to kind of a creek bottom there, and on the other side of this creek, right before that creek bottom, there's a road, and uh, there's a giant hole. I know there was a hole there because I got a pickup stuck. It's about four foot deep. And we're going right towards that hole. I can see the hole. I can't see any other prairie dog holes, but I can see that one. I know it's coming up. And so I finally start to ask this horse to stop. And this horse ain't going to stop. I'm sitting there pulling on him with all that I have. All that I have. And pretty soon my bit breaks in half. That's how hard I was pulling. And he just keeps running. But you have to come back in two weeks and figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs>